Hello and welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Kevin Sheehan, Associate Pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And I'm Matt Curtis, Pastor of Decision Life Church in Wairika, California. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. I feel, I feel welcome. Me too. You're so hospitable. <laughs> that is one of the requirements to be an elder, so good for you. I can set up a Zoom call. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not a requirement for elder. I mean, Zoom calls are not, but hospitality. We should yes. get Zoom to sponsor us. Zoom, the official host share recorder thingy of Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Yeah, and I think we say it just like that, the yeah. reporter thingy of Matt that's, and Kevin Talk Church. That's, that's real gonna, snappy. That's real like, snappy. That's going to be the selling point. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, I will send an email to Zoom about sponsoring our podcast. Thanks for being our official recorder thingy. Yeah. So what should we talk about instead? Well, I thought it might be fun. I mean, again, this has to do with me being just nerdy. And so if you're a longtime listener, you know this is so... Uh, what we've been reading, Kevin and I are both kind of bookish people. And I'll just say, like, if you have a pastor who's like not a book guy, um, that's a little suspicious since what we do is based on a book. So, <laughs> you know, if your pastor's like, you know, I'm just not a reader. I, I, you know, I'd ask more questions, but it's, but we're, uh, don't well, yeah, be a book snob, Matt. Don't, well, I'm not a book snob. snob. I'm just saying like, yeah, I don't care. Are. I mean, no, I'm really not. I'm I'm a I'm what they call a promiscuous reader, and to use a Karen Swallow Pryor phrase. I read all kinds of things very widely. But yeah. All right. <laughs> so we thought we'd talk about what we're reading. All right. So what are you reading? Well, uh currently I am reading Dane Ortland's new book, Deeper. Um, it's it's not really a follow-up to Gentle and Lowly, uh, which was excellent, by the way, Gentle and Lowly. I'm, I'm giving away copies at my church right now. Like, I literally have a box of them that I'm giving away. And uh, I, I love it. So you should read that um, and resist the urge to, like, not like it because it's popular. It is true that sometimes what's popular means it's not good. But in this case, Gentle, Gentle and Lowly really was good. Have you read Gentle and Lowly? I have. Did you like it? I did. Not as much as you. Oh man, I just saw. Ah, I, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to like the same. Look, you it's don't good. Have to like the same thing. It's good. I just sometimes sometimes expectations are so high. Yeah, like a few times I've just been like, oh, this book is going to be, and I go into it like thinking this is going to be the most amazing thing, and I get so excited. Yeah. And I've had this a couple of times in the past six months or so. I was like, yeah. I mean, it was good, but I didn't. Oh, eh, it wasn't. Yeah. It didn't, didn't blow me away like yeah. I. Yeah, it was like the time you sent me that copy of Touching the Void, and you were like, "This is the best thing ever." And I and 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 I was like, "Eh, he climbed a rock." I mean, (laughs) uh, uh, yeah, different interest there, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's good. It's good, and and maybe a different place in life, it would hit me differently or whatever. But yeah, it's not good. Anyway, again, I liked it. It just it didn't like blow me away book of the year kind of thing yeah i was my favorite book of 2020 but but anyway uh, deeper i'm really liking I, I gotta read it slowly there's a lot to uh just sort of unpack and think about and so 
it's only 100 pages, but I'm going through it slowly because I finally have to stop and just think about what he said for a little while. Right. Yeah. Um, Because there's just a lot. Some books take a long time to get through because they're dense and weighty. You have to figure out what's being said. In other books, you just you're kind of forced to stop and reflect for a while. Well, I'm like, I just need to sit with that for a little bit. Some books you should only read one chapter a day at most. Yeah. Yeah. The other book I'm reading is Jackie Hill Perry's new book, Holier Than Thou, How God's Holiness Helps Us Trust Him. Um, I'm only a chapter in and I already like it. Like she just has a way of writing and expressing things that is, I just think beautiful. I think she, she writes beautifully. I don't know. I haven't read enough of it to be like, I, I'm with her on her premise, but her main premise is, is that because God is holy, it means he can't sin and that he can't sin against you. And so because he can't sin against you, that makes him, that's one of the reasons we can trust him. Hmm. Okay. And I, I hadn't really thought of it from that angle before. Yeah. I've seen that book like promoted. I haven't, I don't really yeah. know what it was about to be honest. So. Yeah. Yeah. So th- those are a couple of things I'm reading. Of course, I've got fiction I'm reading. Yes. As always. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll give you, I guess what I'm reading now. Cause yeah, like you, I always have a couple different things going at the same time. Um, a couple of books I'm just getting started into actually uh, my next wave. So I'm reading a book called sticky teams. Larry Osborne. By Larry Osborne, yes. Yeah. I've been to the Sticky Teams conference. So, oh, you know, wow. well, Ooh. he's an EFCA guy. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm, I don't know, a quarter of the way through it or whatever it is. It, it's, it's kind of a how to book for how to run a church, kind of. It's not like a devotional book or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so, the audience isn't as wide, I guess, as like a Dana Ortland book. But yeah. Uh, I mean, so far, the premise is uh, making sure that your staff and your elders and, and ministry leaders are all aligned and have good, uh, well, camaraderie is kind of too cheap of a word, I think, but there's unity and there's peace among them. And that's going to do more good for your church than trying to race out ahead of people um, if you're not, if you don't have a consensus. So sticky meaning teams that stick together, work together well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so far so good. Um, it it's it, fast it, reading. His leadership stuff is good. Yeah, yeah, it's fast reading. So I'm I'm getting through it pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, um, I read that years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's good, and kind of a different change of pace. Other than that, which is more of a how to book, is I'm reading a book called Confessing the Faith: A Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith. I know there you me, there's the Kevin that we makes know me and sound love. Very Presbyterian, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so this is written by Chad Van Dixhorn. Um, oh, I sure. believe I have I, no idea who that is. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Only the uh, premier scholar of the Westminster Confession of Faith. I mean, in the world, sure. I mean, he's. A, I, think I think I got his a, autograph once. He's. But... A, he's. Oh <laughs> so he's a professor at Reformed Theological Seminary, my alma mater. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I believe he's at. The Charlotte campus. I didn't have him as a professor. I was on the Orlando campus. But anyway, confessing the faith, it's a good, it's basically a commentary on the confession of Westminster Confession of Faith. So rather than a commentary on like a book of the Bible, it's sort of a commentary on the Westminster Confession. So commentary on a commentary in a way. Well, sort of commentary on a confession, which is a little different, but yeah. Yeah, so far so good. I like I've just started it really, so I haven't gotten very far, but so far so good. So um, yeah, Westminster Confession of Faith is part of the constitution of my denomination. Um, so we 
we use it quite a bit. Uh, we use it as, I mean, there's a couple, there's two catechisms that go along with it. So it makes it really convenient way of doing different training. We do it for all of our prospective uh, elders and deacons. We make sure we go through the confession that they understand it, they assent to it. So yeah, it's probably my third book that I have. That's sort of a commentary on the confession, but it comes well recommended forward by Carl Truman. I do like Carl Truman. Yeah. Him so I know. So there's yeah. that. Those are the two that I'm, those are the main two books that I'm reading right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm excruciatingly slowly going through a, just a history book. This is not like a pastoral book at all. It's just a book of, it's a book. It's another one of my random side passions besides books on mountaineering, which apparently you don't care for. Thank you. It was fine. I just didn't like, I know for you, I remember you, I, it's the one time you've ever sent me a copy of a book. Did I like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Th- this must've been like, this must have been like 15 years ago. No, more. It was like yeah. 1998 or something. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you were like, this is the best thing ever. Because like, well, I think what happened is, is you just really loved it and you wanted me to love it too. And so, yeah. And you didn't. I mean, and, I mean, <laughs> I still have it. it. It has survived all of my book calls. So, but okay. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, to each his own. Anyway, I'm another one of my random little hobbies. So I'm reading a book on Russian history. About 750 pages long. I'm like on page 300 or something. So I'm up yeah. to the 18th century. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Not many people care about that or want to know much more than that. So yeah. I'll just I'll just stop right there. But those are the books I'm working through. I don't have a fiction. Do I have? I don't think I have a. Are you still working through the Gilead series? No, I finished Gilead. Yeah. Uh, the the four of them. The first one or two, I think I'd read previously. Yeah. But I started over and just read them all again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed those. Um, that was probably in the springtime, I suppose. Yeah. I did read a novel, which I, I think I, I hinted at, but I didn't actually say what it was on a previous podcast. I think See, I told wife, you about your, it. Yeah, your wife read yeah, it. Yeah, my wife read it. She gave it to me. I really enjoyed it. Um, she's gone on to read, I think, all the books by this author. So the, the novel that I read, though, was called The Fountains of Silence. And right. I don't know how to pronounce the author's last name, but it's Ruta, R-U-T-A, Sepetus, yeah. S-E-P-E-T-Y-S. Not sure how to pronounce that exactly, but it's set in like 19, I think late 50s, Spain. And my wife lived in Spain for a number of years, so I think that's how she kind of got turned on to it. Right. And it, it's a historical fiction. That's kind of what she does. All of her All of her books are historical fiction, which I really like those. So it's, you know, it's taking fictional characters but putting them in a real historical setting and you learn a lot about the history of a place um, through this fictional story uh, so 1950s spain which it's kind of funny because it's it's not something that we learn about i never remembered learning about this until i was well into my adult years um, but spain was a dictatorship and a pretty severe one yeah they had like a really famous dictator what was his name oh franco yeah and yeah. uh it was it was it was yeah, it was terrible. And they, he used the Catholic church to help kind of, uh, to, to run the show, uh, which is why, so like my wife's experience in Spain as a missionary to Spain was like the people that grew up under that obviously want nothing to do with Franco or dictatorships, but also nothing to do with the Catholic church because they associated them so closely together, which as an aside, <laughs> be careful American church about, uh, your earthly allegiances. But 
anyway, uh, you know, and so there's this whole generation now that's kind of like post-Catholic or post-Christian. They don't have anything to do with it because they just associate it with this dictatorship under Franco. But anyway, one, one of the lesser known aspects of that dictatorship was that they flat out stole children, newborns, from people who had opposed the government. Like they would just steal the kids and then say that they had died. And then they would sell the kids to people who were loyal to the government. And so, the, I mean, even now, even to this day, like there's all kinds of, you know, stuff going on, lawsuits and DNA testing to try to reunite people to their, to their parents, to their children. Um, it's kind of, kind of crazy. So in the novel, you know, he kind of drops in these Americans into Madrid and, and they sort of discover this whole kind of, uh, you know, there's the, the one guy's in there just to kind of do an oil deal, but then they kind of discover this whole underside. To, to Spain under Franco. And Sounds so like a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. So, yeah. you know, it's a good novel. Like I was kind of fascinated yeah. by it from the historical fiction vantage point. And, but it was kind of a page turner. Um, not, there's some parts of it where I'm like, yeah, you know, weren't my favorite, but uh, uh, just in terms of how it was written or some of the coincidences that happen or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. So, and like I said, my wife has, has now read all of her books, I believe. So, uh, the fountains of silence, I would recommend that. Um, did you ever get to that one? I haven't gotten to it. It's okay. in my TBR, but I haven't gotten okay. to it. Yeah. 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 As you can imagine, the stack next to my bed is, you know, <laughs> considerable. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you read recently that you've completed reading yeah. in the last six so- months or so? Um, I recently finished uh, Dennis Lehane's The World Gone By. It's the third and kind of a Coughlin trilo- trilogy about like this family that, you know, they're the dad to policemen during the, you know, 1918 flu pandemic. And actually he wrote it like 15 years ago. So it's been interesting. It was interesting to read that with all that's been going on now. Right. And then the second one there's is a, there's by- a random little thing in one of the Gilead books. I forget which one it is. The first one. There's yeah. a random thing where they talk about, you know, whoever it was, the character who, you know, who was a preacher during the 1918 yeah. flu pandemic. And yeah. And like, I, and yeah, I everyone tried, had I, to wear masks. Yeah. It was super, it was like, right. It, yeah. It's just like this, almost like this throwaway paragraph. And right. I'd read that book before and never, never, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, but I read it this year and it was like, oh, wow. That was, that kind of just hit me. Well, know, we got to be careful about calling things unprecedented. But anyway, <laughs> right. Um, right. Uh, Anyhow, uh, what was I saying? You threw me off. I'm sorry. It's all right. The the trilogy that you just all right. Completed. Anyway, so and the second one is called Live by Night, and it's about the son of the policeman, and he's like a, he becomes a gangster in Prohibition era Tampa, and okay. uh, and uh, they they made like a movie of it, um, with Ben Affleck, and the movie's okay, but the book's really pretty good. And then this the last one in the trilogy, and by the way, Dennis Lehane, he's famous for like Mystic River that got made by a movie by Clint Eastwood. And he wrote this, you know, series of five books about uh, the, these two private eyes that Boston private eyes that are just great. Um, and so anyway, uh, the third one is kind of a continuation of the second one. It takes a place about 10 years after, and it's uh, basically a gangster novel. And it's one of the, I think it's one of the great gangster novels since the Godfather, probably. Uh, Dennis Lehane just writes really 
I mean, they're gritty um, and not for the faint of heart, but he's a, he's just a great writer. He wrote for shows like uh, The Wire and stuff like that. So if you're a TV person, you, you might recognize him. Um, so I read that and I really liked it. Uh, I did a reread of John Steinbeck's East of Eden. Uh, and I just love that book. It's one of those ones I go back to over and over. Um, and I just did a reread of that. And uh, it's I read terrific. that a couple of years, like within the last two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. It's just so, I mean, it's just powerful. The characterization in it. It's just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so I, I reread that. And uh, have you ever read his travels with Charlie? Yes, I have. Yeah. That's a weird book. It's just, so, it's so different than his usual. Stuff. Yeah. He's kind of all over. And, and yeah. I just picked up like Colson Whitehead's new book. Are you familiar with Colson Whitehead? No. He's famous for like the underground Rail- railroad and uh, nickel boys, which are, but with but, like his last two books won the Pulitzer prize. Like if there's a, if there's an American writer who's likely to win the Nobel prize it's probably Colton Whitehead. And he's his new book is it, it's a crime novel. It's a heist book. I just got it, and I'm kind. Of, it was part of my birthday book haul. I'm kind of excited uh, to check that out. Um, so yeah. I'll let you know how that turns out. But it's a uh, no. It's, I'm excited about that one. That's that's probably yeah. next in the queue after I finish what I'm working on now. But yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, no, I think I, I think since the last time we did a what are we reading thing, I read Frederick Bachman's Anxious People. Oh, that's so good which you recommended to me. I loved it. Like I was like, this is my kind of book. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud at that book. The, the quirky humor, the way that it's just set up and, and you know, the, the, so non-linear, the non-linear timeline and yet, and yet manages to be really poignant at, at times. Yeah. Um, no, I, I love that. So I don't think I'd mentioned that since the last we did one of these. Read uh, more of his work. He's so good. Yeah. 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 No, but I was going to say two other books that I finished. That I read over the summer, I guess, or maybe in the beginning of the fall. Um, two other ones that were noteworthy is this one's an older book, but Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson and Christian Smith. Yeah. It came out in like 2000, I think. Um, but it's pretty interesting. They did like this huge survey, this huge sociological survey, um, you know, looking at evangelicals and what that means and um, just the, the relationship to evangelicals and government and race and society and all these different things and how those have changed over the years and so on and so forth. It's very eye-opening. Yeah. Um, I've read that a few years back. Yeah. So that, that was really good. And then the other one is I, my fourth and I think final for the time being James Smith book of 2021. Uh, I did the kingdom trilogy and I, I yeah. just finished how not to be secular reading Charles Taylor by James K.A. Smith. I have it's, not read that one. I have read Charles Taylor, but I haven't read okay. that. Yeah. Just very th- thought-provoking yeah just really really interesting kind of one of those books that you, you kind of again you kind of have to just sort of stop and think and okay how, how do how did we get here where do i see this in my own life um you know, t- kind of talking about different versions of what it is to be secular how we got there challenging some yeah. of the premises of secular thought you know, kind of pushing back a little bit on uh on secular thought and some of the normal kind of critiques that it, that it places against well, mainly Christianity, but kind of yeah. all religions. So just very thoughtful, but it's not, it's, but he doesn't present it as like us against them. Yeah. That's not really his stick. He's not interested in that. Right. Yeah. He, he's interested in how has much of secular thought found its way into the church in our own thinking. Yeah. So it's not just us against them, but it's also 
how have we become quite secular yeah by a certain definition of secular anyway yeah um, how have we bought into some of that stuff uh how do we recognize it in ourselves you know a lot of it's just like trying to unweave ourselves from the culture that we live in and that's that's really difficult to discern and then to do i really admire uh, his work but what i would say about him is i admire him but don't necessarily enjoy him you know what i mean <laughs> right like like i have like right. similar feelings about nt right like he's undeniably brilliant although we have points of disagreement but i'm not like ooh, i can't wait for the new nt right book you know what I mean? Or I'm not like, man, I'm first in line for J.A. Smith. Like, that's not, I mean, again, I've read his books. I've enjoyed them and benefited from them. But I don't look forward to them in the same way I do, you know, the new Keller book or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Like, I, I enjoy him. I, I just, I've read four of his books. I need, I need to shift gears a little bit and get something else. But, you know, I've enjoyed it. It's really caused me to think a lot and to see and understand our culture and how it's infiltrated, for lack of a better word, the church and my own thinking in ways that are subtle and I, and subconscious. Yeah, Carl Truman writes about in, in a similar fashion. Yeah, Truman's on my pile. Yeah, that, that book is like, um, you know, the rise and fall. What is it? The rise and triumph of the modern self. The, the rise and triumph of the modern self. Like that, that's one of the, again, I really, in, I'm glad I read it and I think everyone should but it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, it's a technical book. Yeah. I mean, yeah. James Smith is, is it helps if you have a philosophy background. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's stop there. We'll come back in the second half and talk a little more about our, our approach to reading and why we choose books that we do. But in the meanwhile, you get yourself a nice hot cup of tea. It's a fall day here. It's like raining and everything. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Or maybe a nice tomato bisque. Ooh, that sounds amazing. And a grilled cheese sandwich. It's about lunchtime here, too. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt's drooling now, so we're going to take yeah. a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, and we have been talking about what we're reading because Kevin and I are both big old book nerds. Uh, I, think we, I think what's been demonstrated today is that Kevin's a bigger nerd than me with that Russian history book he's reading, so by far and away. Oh, come I on. I think... I think he wins the, the nerd no, prize, no, no. but no, you, well, you, you read twice as many books as I do. Well, this sounds like a Twitter poll to me, but it, <laughs> who, who's the bigger nerd, Matt or Kevin? But anyway, um, <laughs> but, but, but anyhow, um, we're, we've been talking about what we're reading and uh, we thought we'd talk now a little bit about how we decide uh, what we're going to read. So Kevin, how, how, tell me about, your philosophy of reading. Cause I know you love the philosophy of ministry question. We'll go ahead with the philosophy of <laughs> the, the, the philosophy of reading question. Oh, that was a an little inside uh, joke. A little inside joke, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just I just read whatever you tell me to. So that, that's 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 a good policy, man. That's that's it. That's all I got. I mean, that's a really good policy. So, listener, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin talk church. No, and, I'm and whatever my wife tells me to, too. Also yeah. good policy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you guys don't lead me astray too often in that in that regard. So yeah, I'm just um, no, shocked you didn't like Gentle and Lowly. But anyway, yeah. I did like it. See, yeah, you're, see, you're not listening. This 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 is the problem in our country these days. <laughs> I say it wasn't the greatest thing ever, and you think I hate it. Yeah, but fair enough. Fair I said enough. I liked it. Eight out of ten. I, I, all right, I repent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. So, well, I mean. 
it actually is a good policy just to uh, go with book recommendations from others. That that's certainly a good place to start in terms of you yeah. know, my my list of books that I either write down or put in my Amazon cart or yeah. actually if, purchase. If Nate George says to read it, you should absolutely. I'll read probably it. read it. I might not yeah. understand it, but <laughs> I'll probably read it. Or Nate least, George is a friend of the podcast, anyway. or at least or at least know that I should. We kind of um, have Nate on anyway. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, so there, so there are certain things where it's just like, okay, if this is recommended by enough people or by people that I know, uh, you know, yeah. well enough, then then it's probably gonna get on the list. But but besides that, in terms of, you know, what I actually read, I mean, first you gotta divide it into. I kind of divide things into categories. There's just my not have anything to do with church or being a pastor, reading novels or nonfiction that I just enjoy. Uh, so, you know, history books are often on my non nonfiction lists. Um, like I said, I'm reading a Russian history book now, but I kind of like reading books, history books that I, of eras I don't know much about, you know, just to sort of fill in some gaps. So, uh, so that's what I try to do. And then like some of my guilty pleasure books would be like sports books or mountaineering books, like touching the void. Uh, I could I could give you a top ten there pretty easily of books. Touching I the enjoy. Void is probably your favorite one. No, no, not at all. It's of the. Eh, it might be top ten, but it's um, the only one you've mailed me. So well, after it got such, after you gave it a thumbs down, I just don't bother anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, Fair if enough. I if I told you the best mountaineering book that I read this past year, would you buy it? I might get it from the library. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably would not spend my heart and heart right. money. So I, so I don't bother yeah. to tell you like, yeah. Hey, the white spider, it's a great book. Hey, I agree. Yeah. Into thin air. You got me, you got me into John Krakauer. Like you're the reason I read yeah. those books. Well, he's a pretty popular, he has a wider audience. Yeah. It's the way that he writes is yeah. for a wider audience. Yeah. At least, at least that book certainly. Yeah. yeah. Although he wrote Iger dreams and that's a little more specific. That's a weird book, man. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that one's great. Um, Joe Simpson books. Yeah. They're kind of for a particular audience, but anyway, so you kind of, so I kind of have like my, my categories for just my own personal reading, but then in terms of like my, let's just say professional reading, which again, another weird thing about being a pastor is you can find a sermon illustration anywhere. <laughs> so it, I don't want to make this dichotomy between personal life and pastoral life because it really isn't because one. it doesn't work like that at all. It like just we doesn't, talked about it doesn't yeah. really doesn't really exist. But yeah, as much as I can kind of separate those two. So things I kind of devote my time to and things that I would do, you know, as part of my pastoral work, um, I again kind of try to categorize things somewhat anyway. And there's books that are like kind of strictly theological books. I'm just looking at the whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. So even, good. Even confessing the faith, Chad Van Dixhorn. It's you know it's a theology book primarily. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've each read Scott Swain's book on the Trinity. Yep. I forget the name of it right now, but uh, uh, introducing the Trinity. I something think is what it's something called. like that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think yeah, I've just got books it that test. are just straight up, you know, theology. Yeah. And then there's books that are categorized that would be more kind of like how-to books for pastors. Yeah. You know, again, like Sticky Teams. Um, books on leadership, books on preaching, uh, you know, those are things that are just kind of for the, the trade itself that are good for us just to read and learn and, and hone our craft. Um, there's books about, especially lately in the last 18 months or so, this has come more to the surface books that are just more about understanding our culture and our cultural yeah. moment. Um, and that's where sometimes I'll read a little more broadly 
and especially authors that are not necessarily Christians. Yeah. You know, like Jonathan Haidt. He's um, great. Yeah. So, you know, so there's, that's where I can go a little bit outside of, you know, my, my normal um, boxes, I guess. Yeah. And try to just understand our times better and understand the world better. Yes. Who gave, was it Spurgeon get the quote, like every pastor should every day read his Bible and read the newspaper. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yep. One hand in the Bible, one hand in the newspaper. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of, I mean, that's true in the, the 21st century version of that. <laughs> now, a newspaper, kids. <laughs> right. The 21st um, century version of that is like, yeah, is to have a variety of things. But we, we know our Bibles. We, we read our Bibles. We read our theology books. We you know, do all that. But also understanding the world in which we live. Yeah. Understanding the culture in which we live. Um, so you have to read outside of just Christian authors, so to speak. Yeah. So my to-read pile and my have-read pile are, have a bit more of a diversity. So, yeah. so there's sort of like those categories of kind of genres, but I also try to think in terms of authorship too, and having some diversity of authorship. Yeah. I don't really go too crazy with this, but if you look at who you're reading, it's nice if they're not all white male Presbyterians. I read very few Presbyterians. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's, see, actually that's, not, that's, that's actually <laughs> not even true. I read, you know, Lunkin, you know. Yeah. You probably read more than Duncan and yeah. Tim Keller's a Presbyterian, you know, sort of. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good for me to be a little more diverse in in, in those ways. Right. So I'm not reading all the same from the same school of thought. Yeah. Or at least from the same, you know, racial or socioeconomic or whatever background, same cultural background. Like it's good to just to read outside that. I'm even just reading like a British author is different. Yeah, you get a different perspective on things. John Scott, baby. Anyway, yeah. I mean, even like Sam Albury or Rebecca yeah. McLaughlin. I mean, they're British. They have, you know, not yeah, I went radically different take, but yeah. a little bit of a different take. Um, but also just reading authors that are different ethnicities. Yeah. Different denominational backgrounds. Um, that's helpful for me. They, they can see things in my demographic that, that I can't see. Yeah. You know, just because I'm, I'm too close to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, we, we were teenagers in the nineties. We were. And, uh, you know, when, when you're living it, when, <laughs> when you're living in a certain era, you're just, you're just living in it and, and the, the, the fads and the music and the dress and the styles and all that stuff, you don't even really notice them so much. You can't really almost, you really can't critique them because you're just in them. But we look back now on like the 90s or the 80s or the 70s, and we have like theme parties based on the 90s, and we and we can dress up in a certain way and kind of have this sense of fun and irony about it and, yeah. and take and take it a little too seriously. But you know, you you can't have like a 90s theme party when it's 1995. You know, it's just, I mean, because you're not aware enough to be able to do that. And so, in the same way, culture is sort of like that same way. It's like we can't critique your own culture because you're in it, um, and there's just things that you just don't see about it. Um, with the passing of time or other people from other cultures can speak into that in different ways. So well, that's part of the reason why I try I to mean, read a little more uh, widely. I might push back. I might push back a little bit on that in terms of uh, you're discounting self-awareness in that as though, as though you, as though it's impossible to have any cultural self-awareness. And I just think that's no, I'm not, not true. I'm not saying you can't have um, any, but I'm saying you can't. Yeah. It's helpful to have others critique it. It is helpful. It is helpful. Yeah. Again, the, sure. t- the times in which we're living, it's hard to critique the styles and fashions and music. Look, the listeners want us to fight. I'm just trying to give we, them. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to give them what they want. Anyway, right, and, right. Yeah. 
it's because when you're in it, you just don't see it the same way. Yeah. You just don't have the same perspective for sure. Um, So anyway, so reading a little more broadly is helpful. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So I try to be kind of aware of that and have some diversity to my authorship as well as my, like the genres and categories of books that I read. Yeah. I have a, like a similar approach. Like I've got like stuff I'm reading for, I say for work, but like what's work? Like, like, like that's a fuzzy, like because of our, because of our particular profession that can be fuzzy, but like, you know, I, I read a lot of commentaries, for example, because I'm studying. So right. There's that, but sometimes, and this is maybe this will help the Twitter poll. Like right now I'm looking through it. Douglas Moo commentary on Romans, like just kind of for fun, because I think he's brilliant and it's just fun, but that's me geeking out a little bit. So that's not, I wouldn't, I'm not saying everyone should do that, but for me, that's kind of fun for me. It's like, you know, I, I, I try and read one preaching book a year because I'm wanting to improve there. Um, I, I read, I try and read a certain amount of theology a day. You know what I mean? Like I try like every day I'm trying to do that. Um, I'm trying to read a certain amount of, you know, a certain number of leadership books a year. Cause I need to develop there. Um, I'm looking for what I'm going to take my elder team through like, like, you know, like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and right. a lot of that is done during office hours, quote unquote, you know what I mean? Um, so uh, that's what I, that's the kind of reading I'm doing there, but then there's other reading where that's for me, reading is self-care, you know, for some people like their self-care yeah. is they go for a hike or they, um, you know, watch a football game. And I like a football game, but really if I've got a choice of entertainment, odds are I've, it's going to be a novel and I have one with me kind of everywhere I go. And I learned to like read in both like long chunks and in like little 15 minute increments. Like I'm waiting in line at the grocery store, you know, and Anita hates this by the way. And, 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 and wait, who's the bigger nerd? Well, <laughs> Twitter poll, it's going to be a Twitter poll. It just is. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's uh, it, so anyway, that's just kind of what I, I do. Um, and so, but for fiction, it, I really do go with recommendations, you know, uh, to, uh, from people I respect. I, I tend to read a lot of literary fiction and I just like crime fiction and, and, especially over the last 20 years, the line between literary fiction and crime fiction has been blurring a lot. Like right. mystic river by Dennis Lehane is a literary novel, but it's also maybe the best crime novel of the last like 25 years, you know? So it's, it, there's just a lot going on. It's just a very rich story. Um, I care more about character than genre. Like I'm, I'm interested in, do I care about the characters? Is the writing good? Yeah. Am I, is it going to cause me to think about something in a different way? I'm more interested than that, than genre. That said, though, I don't read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy because my experiences with those genres are they're either very, it's either excellent or it's just terrible. Right, right. But there's not a lot that's in between. So unless it's like from someone I really respect, you know, I, I'm probably not, I'm, I'm probably not going to venture down that road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, but really, like, I'll give anything a try. Like, I'll, I'll pull something off the shelf at the library and just go, hey, this looks interesting and read it. And, uh, you know, I, I find uh, I find a lot of things I really like that way. Just I stumble on something and I like right. it. I also, again, that maybe this is going to tip the scale on the nerd thing. I, I, there are a couple of book, bookish podcasts I listen to where they're talking about, you know, what they're reading, what's happening in publishing, all that kind of stuff, because I'm interested in that. So, yeah. so I 
so I pick up stuff from there as well. Um, so I, you know, I, I read all kinds of stuff from all kinds of people, from all kinds of perspectives. Um, and so, and I just find I really enjoy that. Yeah. So that's just yeah. kind of, and I do, I, I, I probably read my fiction and nonfiction. It's probably two to one. It's probably two novels per nonfiction book. Yeah. Well, I feel like nonfiction books can range so much in terms of their size and how long it takes to get through them. I mean, right. You know, and like, some, you know, like the Dane Orland book, you're done in a hundred pages. You can do it in an afternoon, practically other books yeah. take a long time. And a well, lot of like, work. you know, the John Piper book that I just read, that's his new one uh, on Providence, which is not a book. It's a murder weapon. Like it's just this giant tome. Like it just took me a long time. And partly because the way Piper writes is you just can't get through that fast. Like yeah. you just have to sit with it or, read it twice sometimes and go, wait, what did he just say? I'm not the biggest fan of John Piper's writing. Like this is I like find un unpopular opinions time of the podcast. So like, here's the thing. I, I would put him in the category. I would say about him when I said about JK Smith, like I, I admire it, but I don't necessarily like enjoy it partly because he sometimes will take six paragraphs to say something he could have said in two paragraphs. Yeah. And that's, it, to me, that's just like not good writing. And so I and, just, and I'll just go, there's a much more concise way you could have said what you just said. Yeah. Um, and what you're trying to do is make yourself clear, but you're not necessary, but a lot he's, <laughs> but he's just pointing to like Jesus in a way that I think is good for me. Yeah. So, oh, no, I'm not saying he's so, not worthy of reading. It's just, he's just not my favorite. Yeah, well, I kind of feel the same way about him as a preacher as well. A lot of people just think he's the best preacher ever. And I just go, you know, I'd rather listen to Kevin. I mean, <laughs> you know, like he's he's, he's like, good. Kevin who? <laughs> well, we're yeah. listening to Matt and Kevin talk church. So hopefully our, our audience knows who Kevin is. Um, if not, meet Kevin. There but, are probably better Kevins out there. But anyway. Well, you yeah. know, you and Kevin DeYoung can battle out who's a real Revy Kevy, but, yeah. you know. Not a title I'm going to go by. Anyway. We'll have to have him on, and you two can, you know. Sure, figure, I'm, sure you, I'm sure he'd love to. You two can sort that out. I'm sure he's got the time for that. Yeah. <laughs> With his nine children, anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another, another kind of piece of the diversity puzzle that I didn't mention earlier was trying to read things from different time periods, I guess. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure I'm not everything I read isn't from 21st century. Yeah. Or 20th century or or whatever. But yep. I like to kind of dip around a little bit with uh when books were written. Um again, yep. I think you just get a different perspective when books are written from different eras. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of holds true across all the categories there. Um, even with novels. I try, you know, I try to at least try to get to like the quote unquote classics. I work my way through some of those or stuff from 150 plus years ago um yeah well even stuff is like you know gatsby's you know gatsby written in 1925 right it's 100 years old now yeah you know like i'm struck with just like how dead on he was about just the decadence of american culture yeah like he was saying things in 1925 that just feel contemporary in some yeah. ways yeah and just the elevated language in that book is kind of great he's just i mean i know some people hate that book that people have like very strong opinions right. about that book um yeah i i really like it yeah so do i i like i like Fitzgerald. yeah you ever read his short stories i have and they're great yeah yeah so so here's here's my literary hot take here it is okay 
I think Hemingway is overrated as a novelist. I think his novels aren't that good. I think his short stories are brilliant. I, th- I think he's way overrated as a novelist and way underappreciated as a practitioner of the short story. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to distance myself from that. But here's my, here's my unpopular opinion hot take. Yeah. 19th century British literature is not that good. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're saying Charles Dickens isn't that good? No, not that good. Really? You don't think Charles Dickens is good? No. Overrated. I'm saying overrated. Huh. I'll say overrated. I am telling uh, Karen Swallow Pryor on you right now. She's going to be so mad. Anyway, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Overrated. I don't know, man. Far too wordy. Again, talk about six paragraphs that can be done in two. Bleak House. That's one of the great books. I mean, I'm not saying nothing good came from that, you know, century of British literature, but overall, overrated. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I agree. But yeah, well, I don't agree with your Hemingway take. So there you go. You're, I didn't know you were a Hemingway fan. But yeah, yeah, I guess I could say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sun also rises as trash. Oh, oh my goodness. It, wow. It, I'm going to hang it, up this Zoom call. Like it just is. It just All is. All right. You've been listening to Matt and Kevin talk church. We yeah, got here's another, here's another one. Offline. Moby Dick is a terrible, terrible book. <laughs> Also, uh, dear college professors, stop assigning Ann Rand. Just stop. <laughs> Quit. It's terrible. Right, anyway. I'm not, I'm not going to push back on those takes. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you have those. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. We are yeah. off. Uh, I don't know. We should probably just wrap this up. We have strong opinions about books. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin Talk Church. <laughs> And uh, you well talk books would be more accurate, less about church and more about books. You've been listening to Matt and Kevin talk books. I don't know that it's been helpful or edifying, but I hope it. <laughs> I hope that at least it's been interesting. <laughs> if you want to write into us with your literary hot takes, you can reach us at Matt and Kevin talk church at gmail.com. Or if you want to tell us who's the bigger nerd, you can add, you can add us at MKTC on Twitter. Tell us who the bigger nerd is and why it's Matt, <laughs> and why it's Kevin. Anyway. <laughs> So with that being said, uh, we hope you have just a pleasant afternoon and that you are well. And so with that being said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. (laughs) We've been talking church and just a train wreck of of conversation about books. Be warm and be be fed. (laughs) Uh, uh. Wow. Charles Dickens? Overrated. Jane Austen. Overrated. No, come on. Okay, come on. Uh, Henry James. Overrated. George Eliot. Overrated. Thomas Hardy. Henry Fielding. You don't think Middlemarch is like one of the great novels written in English ever? It might be the best novel to come out of 19th century British literature. (laughs) But I don't think that's saying as much as you think it does. (laughs) <laughs> wow.